All right. Well, would you like to hear a couple of the things I was going to throw out there? And if any non-believers want to come in and try to uh, talk about this would be great. One of the questions I would have for non-believers and see what your opinion is on this, Kent, is, is it, this is to the non-believers, is it your belief that all matter, time, space, nature, and eventually the singularity that would cause the great expansion of our universe did this without any form of intelligence? That was the first one. I think that was an easy one, right? Well, that is exactly what the textbooks teach. The textbooks teach there was a big bang, uh, 13.772 billion years ago. They change the number all the time. But the Big Bang was where nothing exploded for no reason into nothing. There was no time, no space, no matter. That singularity, as they call it, had to contain all of the matter, all of the time, all of the space, all of the energy. What is the total energy in the universe? All the stars that they're burning, the sun, total energy. All that was in a dot. That is so stupid, but they, they, these people believe it. I noticed that uh, atheists on YouTube seem to be very confused on what the science is actually teaching. Um, can I show you something real quick and get your opinion on it? You're going to notice that uh, one of these atheists, they're kind of mean and everything, but you'll recognize him right away. His view of the Big Bang is completely different than what the actual atheist scientists are saying. Here it goes. But again, we didn't come from nothing, and no scientist believes that we ever came from absolutely nothing. The Big Bang is not something from nothing. Even when cosmologists talk about a universe from essentially nothing, they don't mean an absolute philosophical nothing. In fact, they don't think that an absolute nothing is even possible because every time they try to create a perfect vacuum, they notice quantum fluctuations of subatomic particles popping in and out of existence where there shouldn't be anything. Yeah. As the idea that there could be literally nothing which then from which something suddenly springs. and. I mean, it is very hard to grasp it, and, and I certainly can't grasp it. But something from nothing, from literally nothing, I mean, that's what really gets people. That's the one that's really counter to common sense. And, and, and they clearly misunderstand what you mean by nothing. So, and, and it, Well, exactly. It would start with absolutely nothing. That means, unlike the Cardinal said, and unlike some people argue, no particles, but not even empty space. No space whatsoever. No space whatsoever. And maybe even no laws governing that space. And, and maybe even no laws governing that space. And What did you say? Well, then who did create? What do you think about that, Ken? That is well put together. Thank you, sir. Uh, they do teach. I have a textbook collection here. Uh, universe came into existence 14 billion years ago through an explosion from an infinitely dense point. What is an infinitely dense point? A dot that is infinitely dense. How tightly can you pack molecules together? All the molecules that have to be in that infinitely dense point. I think the infinitely dense point is between their ears. That is exactly what they teach. What happened? They estimate the age of the universe is 13.772 with an uncertainty of 59 million years. Oh, okay. Most thinking people today think it's dumb to try to, to worship time, space, energy, and matter as gods that created an ordered universe and life. But the books teach there was a big bang with infinitely dense point, everything in a dot. What happened before the big bang? Scientific evidence against the big bang. The books are full of this. 
they will claim they don't teach this or say it, but well, then get it out of the textbook. The kids are learning this propaganda, and it's evil in my humble, totally unbiased opinion. How can they even claim that this is used with the scientific method? There is no way to be able to observe anything like this, especially since they're claiming that this little pin dot blew up. How are you ever going to observe something like that? Well, that's just it. See, it, it, it's not, you can't observe it. It's not science. All of this is based upon the simple observation. The stars are giving a red shift, which means probably the stars are moving away. That's it. That's the evidence. I would say, okay, I would agree that the stars are probably moving away from each other. Okay. But they're called the Doppler effect. I've got plenty of slides on that. Let me open that one up here. Uh, when Doppler, if you're standing by a train track and you, the train is coming toward you, it squeezes the uh, sound wave together and gives it a higher pitch. If it's uh, leaving, going past you, it stretches the sound out, sound waves out, and gives a lower pitch. So the train comes toward you and you get it when it goes by, called the Doppler effect. Okay, let's see. Red shift, is the sun shrinking? My seminar part seven, I talk about this, let's see. No, oh, no, Red Sea crossing. What causes the red shift? I've got so many slides in here, brother. But I would say, I agree, there appears to be a red shift everywhere we look. Okay. So if there's a yeah, red would shift- Would you like to get something to drink? Because uh, you do seem very tired. I No, I'll, I'll, I'll be fine, brother. I got water right here. We have well water, but I tell people if you drink well water, it makes your babies be born naked. But there <laughs> <laughs> we go. How do we see stars billions of light years away? All right, let me get some slides up here. <clears throat> the Bible says God made the earth and then he made the stars. He made the stars after the earth, what the Bible says. But we observe, I'm gonna get the slides up here because I'm a visual learner. Let's see. Bible dates add up to approximately 4,000 BC for the, for the age of the universe, created 6,000 years ago. So we look at the stars and we see them giving what's called a red shift. I got slides coming on it here, right? That indicates the galaxy is probably, the universe is probably expanding. Um, let's see, starlight. If, I, if, I, if someone else is giving their evidence for evolution, I'm able to get to this and call it up on time while they're giving their evidence. Uh, let's see, manage star formation. There we go, cosmic standard, there we go. So we look at the universe through a telescope and we see through a spectroscope and we see the stars give a red shift on video number seven, right? Coming, sorry about that. Uh, oh, okay. We got somebody that's wanting to come in that I don't know. I'm gonna put something up on the screen in case they try to put some ding dong or something nasty. Just yeah. to protect myself. If they act up, they go bye-bye. Let's put up, uh, here's something, Albert Einstein quote, just to block the screen for a moment. Amen. The more I study Hello. science, the more I believe in God. That's right. So, Mr. Storm Jr., are you cool? Uh, yeah, I came in before. I was the guy, the, uh, you know, the uh, young guy from before that was uh, talking. I'm a, also in the chat. I'm a click me for COVID truth. Oh, okay. Uh, you're, I want. Cool. I just wanted to be in with uh, the Dr. Dino, you know. So uh, I, I won't really say much. That's all I wanted to 
you've always, do you've always said extremely positive things about Kent. I've seen a lot of your comments. You're a good man. Yeah, so, sometimes I get a little angry at some of the people, but I don't cuss or anything. I just kind of get mad. But uh, there's nobody here, first of all. And second of all, Kent Hovind's here, so I'm going to be a little calmer even if there were people here. And if, there, if the uh, atheist ever shows up who was supposed to debate him, then I'll leave right away. That's fair enough. Fair enough. What you got for us, Kent? What does he have for us? I thought he was going to uh, ask a question. Uh, Did you want to ask a question, Mr. Phoenix or Mr. Prezheim? Well, I did have only one question for Kent Hovind. Okay. Um, I noticed that, that uh, in your last Bible study, you were talking about um, different words, like the word will, in a First Timothy chapter six, like something about those that will to be rich, and then you said that it it meant those who desire to be rich. The word will means desire. Uh, do you think that it would be all right if uh, I were to use your Bible studies to try to make a study Bible of my own and put it on the internet for free? Well, you're certainly welcome to do my Bible studies on an internet on the internet for free. That you're welcome to do all that. I've been through quite a few books of the Bible over the last. Six and a half years, I guess. I've been here, been through. I can go back and look Genesis and Nehemiah and quite a few. You're welcome to. I'd love somebody to put it all together. Yeah, into a one. I don't have time. One coherent uh, um, platform. We have some. Sandra, why don't we Woo! sell the Genesis Bible study on? Just what else do we sell? Bible studies. Um, you sell, I believe, the Daniel one. Daniel, no. no. Gen oh. The only one we we have is the Genesis one. So, oh, and then what on earth is about to happen, which is based on Daniel and Revelations. Okay, so yeah, go for, go go for it. Can't believe I can't find my slides on the red shift. There we go. Got to be getting close. I got about sixty thousand slides now, so it kind of helps if people ask the question in the same order that I have the answer. That would help. <laughs> so why do you think it is, uh, I, I noticed that this is a problem whenever you've gotten into debates with atheists, they don't like to talk about the universe and the way it's arranged in order for their variables to work with evolution. They don't like cosmological evolution. You seem to notice a pattern with that? Well, the idea that time, space, and matter can come into existence by themselves from nothing for no reason it, it sounds stupid because it is stupid. Now, for us to say God created it is technically not a scientific answer. I understand that. But they don't have a scientific answer either. They have a, just so, I believe, a SpongeBob imagination. Just imagine all the matter in the dot, you know, SpongeBob. It's, it's not science. And, but they want to claim it is science, and they want all of us to pay for their religion to be taught. That's why I always say, Evolution is a religion. It's something they believe in very strongly. I will, yay, congratulations. I have a religion I believe in very strongly also. But they should stop calling evolution science. It has nothing to do with science. Something they believe in. Nobody's ever seen nothing produce something. Nobody's ever seen life come from non-living material. Hold on a second. Damien, did we get a link up on our channel telling about this one? Put one. We should have at least a note on our channel saying go here. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because a lot of people are waiting on my, me on my channel and wondering wh where are they? I don't know. Well, <clears throat> so yeah, evolution is something they believe in, which is fine, but they should admit it's a faith, it's a religious belief, it is not science. Go ahead. 
I have a question for Ken, if he, if he doesn't mind. Anything. Um, so, like, multiverse, like, atheists will say, well, we don't believe that everything came from the little dot, but it was just expanding from a multiverse or infinite universes, and it just, this universe popped into existence from, an, uh, from infinite other universes. So do you think that is any any uh, more tenable to you? Do you think that's just as ridiculous? And how would you respond to that? Well, I couldn't prove it right or wrong. Neither could they. It's a, it's, it's a belief. If I said my drawer beside me has, you know, five leprechauns in it, or, you can believe anything you want. And, but th this idea of a multiverse is, just, is again, it's not science. It's a, it's a religious belief, even if it's true. Science deals with what we can observe, study, and test, and demonstrate. You cannot demonstrate the Big Bang. You cannot demonstrate the origin of the universe from nothing. You, you can believe it. I believe God made it. I, I can't prove that. That's not science. I understand. It's the most logical answer. If you're walking through the woods and you find a, an arrowhead laying on the ground, it is completely logical to believe somebody made it. If you're walking through the woods and you find an ink pen laying on the ground, it's even more logical to say this was designed by somebody. Somebody made this. Uh, I, I don't know who did it. I don't know where. I don't know when, but somebody made it. That's perfectly logical. Now, could I prove scientifically? Maybe on the on the uh, uh, ink pen I could, but on the arrowhead, I don't know if I can prove that scientifically or not. Uh, it's, it's just the only logical answer that God had to make the world. I agree. Good answer. There's no way to observe how our universe got here any more than it is to make the claim that other universes exist. But I'm open-minded. But he's right. It's a belief. Nothing more. There's no way to be able to back it up. Hello, Miss Parker. I hope you're doing well. I've been meaning to send you my book with the autograph, but I don't know where to send it to. Um, no worries. I'll get you into your box. Thank you very much. I am on Baby Watch, um, and we are bringing baby number three into this world. Grand baby number three. So I'm super excited about that. I'm just waiting on the calls. So we can head over to the hospital to go see my little dude. Um, and I saw this, and I wanted to stop in and say hello to Kent. I grew up a younger creationist. I grew up listening to a lot of Kent material, and I remember. Miss um, Parker, your mic's that, cutting out. Oh no! I, I heard my something. It's cutting out. Yeah, it's going like that. I can barely. I heard something about a beautiful baby coming into the world. I heard uh, something about how yeah, so I have a grandbaby coming in. It's, yeah, I got it's a grand distorted. Coming in. You I'm might want to reload. Hold on one second. Yeah, it's real garbled. I can't understand it either. Is that a little better? Uh, no, I heard that you... part. Does that look better? Is that a little oh. better? Is that better? Uh, it's uh, garbly. It's... You, right you sound great on your own videos. I don't know what the deal is. She's going to reload. So no word from John Richards, huh? Uh, is he over in England? Is that what you said, uh, Brett? Yeah, he said it was going to be late for him. He might have had the same thing that happened, Kent. He might have, you know, listened to my voice or a couple of videos and just went, yeah. <laughs> I, I had to actually work today. It was awful. I heard about people that have to work. Oh, no. We uh, had a, a tire company ca called us to donate a whole bunch of used old tires that we can use for stop the erosion on the side of our hill. 
Well, the guy started throwing them off the truck and they were rolling on into the lake. So I was down there trying to catch them and knock them over. I was running back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. And for an old man, that's, I could move pretty quick, couldn't I though? For yeah. An old, yeah? <laughs> but it wore me out. So anyway, uh, I listened to a little bit of uh, John Richards. Uh, <coughs> he, <coughs> he, he wanted to have a discussion, not a debate, if I understand. And he believes in evolution. Is that what you were saying? Uh, yeah. Right? Yeah, he claims to be a uh, retired scientist and all that, claims that he's been in many different fields, and I suggested to him that he might enjoy a discussion with you. And when I said Kent Hovind, he went, really? You know Kent? And I got all excited about that, and okay. but apparently he crashed out or something. That's sad. That's sad. Miss Parker, you want to try your mic again? I'd love to hear what you have to say. I would love to try my mic again. I'm hoping it's better. You sound great. Better. Perfect. I wanted to come on to say hello to Mr. Kent Hoven. And as Brett likes to call him, Mr. Kent Hovind. Um, very fancy. Yes, very fancy. Um, mainly because when I grew up, uh, I don't know if it's okay to call you Kent or if you want me to call you Dr. Dino. I don't know. I'm going to do Dr. I, Dino. I get, I, I get called lots of things on the internet. Pick, pick, pick whatever yeah. you like. <laughs> Let's not go down that road. <laughs> but yeah, so... I, I grew up doing the young earth creationist thing. Well, it was it was brought to me when I was younger. Um, and I remember those those quintessential teachings. I remember your name. I remember, I believe you guys had a homeschool edition kind of school workbook that was out there. And I ended up getting one. And I'm I'm no longer a young earth creationist. I am no longer a Christian. Um, but, and I'm not here to fight about the Christianity. I promise not, this is not me trying to like pick a debate with you or anything. Um, I was just wondering when you first started your ministry, how did you know what, how, how did you know that that was what you wanted to do? That that's more my question. Like we, everybody knows your life. Everybody, we all do. Your life is all over the freaking world, but I wanted, what, what brought you to young earth creationists? Like, how did you find out? that this is what needed to be done? Well, uh, as I, when I was 16, I became a Christian, gave my heart to the Lord, and I started going to church, reading my Bible frantically. And I was majoring in science and math in high school and ended up go teaching that 15 years. Uh, I taught, my dad was an engineer. My oldest brother was an engineer. My mother was a public school teacher. My second brother, older brother, was a public school teacher. And I, I was reading the Bible. And I realized, the Bible says everything was made in six days everything. But what I'm learning in school is dinosaurs lived millions of years ago. I said, somebody is wrong. I don't know who it is yet, but somebody's wrong. And so it became, it became a passion of mine, really from age 16 on, to try to figure out who's right. And it mattered to me greatly. Jesus said clearly that the creation of Adam was the beginning. I'll pull up the verse for you. Here we go. Matthew 19, 4, slide number 251, Alt-DV, slide number 251. This is probably one of the verses that really got to me. Jesus answered and said to them, have you not read? He which made them at the beginning made them male and female, referring to Adam and Eve. A very similar verse in Mark chapter 10. From the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. So the Bible teaches that that was the beginning of the creation. And the Bible says clearly in Romans chapter 5 that death came because of sin. The evolution says death happened for billions of years before man ever got here. But the Bible says very clearly in 1 Corinthians 15, by man came death. So the question is very simple. Did man bring death and suffering into this world? 
like the Bible says, or did death and suffering bring man into the world? Somebody's wrong, okay? I don't think there's a question, somebody's wrong. Maybe they're both wrong, but certainly one of them is wrong. And that began a lifetime study of mine. Who is right on this topic? Is Jesus lying? Is he stupid? Didn't he, you know? Because the evolution theory cannot be compromised or blended with what the Bible says. It cannot be. Jesus said the beginning was when God made Adam and Eve and in the Ten Commandments. It says in six days, the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that in them is. So I said, wait a minute. Adam's the first man. Bible says Eve's the mother of all living. Nothing died till Adam sinned. We all came from Adam and Eve. Then you add up the dates. Adam was 130 when his son was born, and hit boy was 105 when his son was born. And, you know, you can pick the numbers right off the page, Genesis 5, and make a chart, which I did early in my Christian life. I said, we have modified it and improved it since then quite a few times. But I remember the, the chart. Yeah. <laughs> I do remember that chart growing up. And that, that's where my question, okay. So, and again, I'm not here to debate who's right no. or who's wrong. I honestly am, I'm excited to be able to talk to you because like I said, I have read a lot of your literature growing up and it was part of my formative years. So, so the chart, when we, when you break down the chart, that's one of those things that kind of blew my mind. Cause as a kid, I would go to school and, and like you said, you would hear one thing. And then when I went home, I, I'm, I'm a young earth creationist. So there was this constant battle for me back and forth, trying to figure out, okay, who's telling me the truth. I remember this chart because I actually took it to school one day and was, uh, <laughs> they confiscated the chart. But my question is, um, how, how do you, uh, I guess the same question my teacher asked me back then. How, how do you, uh, how did you get here? How, how did you get to this number was pretty much how I was laughed out of class. So that's what, that's what I would ask you. Um, how, how did you get to that number? And um, is, is there a way for me independently to find it myself? Like if I wanted sure. to go back and find that number, how do I find it? Well, when people ask me about the age of the earth, uh, I say, well, there's a biblical answer and there's a scientific answer. Mm -hmm. Okay. The Bible says, could not be more clear. Genesis 5, read it for yourself. Adam lived 130 years and begat a son and called his name Seth. Seth lived 105 years and begat Enos. Enos lived 90. The dates are all right there. You can pluck them off the page. Genesis 5 gives all the numbers on the left half of the chart. Could not be more clear. The vertical line up and down is the flood. Let's see, I can get my hand over to it right here on my picture. Right up here is the flood. Okay. After the flood, you go to Genesis chapter 11 and it gives you more dates. How old, how long did they live? And how, you know, before they had children and stuff like that. So we can get biblical dates clearly right up to the time of Joseph. He's the last guy on the bottom of the chart here. Oh, backwards. Right. There how you do go. I do the, right there. Okay. I get backwards all the time yeah. on my okay. show too. Anyway, yeah. and we, I think everybody agrees. Joseph was one of the vice pharaohs of Egypt and he had a different name and they've, I forget his Egyptian name now, but people have done secular history from the time of Egypt on. It comes to approximately 4,000 BC for the creation of Adam. That's what the dates add up to. I, many thousands of people have come to the same conclusion within a few hundred years of this number from mm -hmm. based on the biblical dates and then secular history. Say, okay, they may not believe it, but that, they agree. That is what the book says. The book teaches about 4,000 BC was the creation. Now, I don't think we can put an exact date on it. Let's give it plus or minus 20 years maybe, okay? Uh, so by looking at the Bible saying nothing died till man sinned, which makes more sense to me 
that God, the God that I worship, made a perfect world and we wrecked it. Rather than say, God made death and suffering bring man into the world. Evolution is a religion of horrible death and suffering for billions of years. Millions of animals have to die and suffer for us to evolve slowly to become, you know, where we are today. That's not the God that I would want to worship. My God made it right, made it perfect, and we wrecked it. I think a lot of car manufacturers make really nice cars. They send them out there and somebody wrecks them. Not the cars, not the manufacturer's fault. It's the driver's fault, usually. So, Ken, the textbook, uh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Kent. Well, the textbooks say, you know, it happened billions of years ago. So somebody's wrong. And you said a young earth creation. I guess I don't like that term. 6,000 is not young. That's a long time. And you can explain everything. I don't know what other term to use. That I don't know what other term to use for it. Uh, is right, is right. there a more accurate term now? Because I apologize. Yeah, well, I don't. I don't the, know if young the, earth creationism um, is old dated. Because I'm old. I'm sorry if it's outdated. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a biblical creationist. The Bible teaches six thousand years ago God made everything. Forty four hundred years ago there was a flood that destroyed the world. The flood explains everything we see on the world today. All of the layers that we see. I keep this thing on my desk. All you do is flip it over and it starts making a whole bunch of layers every time in minutes. The textbooks can, can will I ask tell you a question. Yeah. Um, do you know when the pyramids of Giza were built? The pyramids in Egypt, <clears throat> the Egyptians were famous at exaggerating their numbers of how long their you know, King George was king for two million years. So I don't I think it's most people who study the pyramids will say. Obviously, they, they greatly they honored their pharaohs. They built huge buildings to bury them in. So the Egyptian dates, I think, have been well proven to be exaggerated. But the pyramid, my theory would be probably the Great Pyramid, not all of the, the one that's called the Great Pyramid, might have been built before the flood of Noah, and it would have survived the flood. What would a flood do to a pyramid? Get it wet. So how can you have fossil remains uh, buried below the pyramids. If there is layers of strata below the pyramid, then I would think it would have to be flood flood related and the pyramid built on top. Uh, I, I suspect somebody getting off in Egypt, you know, said, oh, wow, I want to be buried in one of those. Make me one for, but all the Great Pyramid is very different than all the other pyramids. The Great Pyramid never had a chief, cor the chief cornerstone was rejected by the builders. It was never put in place. I have quite a bit of material. I don't have a complete answer on, on that one, Alt-F-O. But on video number seven of my series, which you can get for 50 bucks, and uh, the Parker said she watched that. But video series number seven is, is five hours long, just that one video about the Great Pyramid. All of your videos are so long. They're so long. <laughs> I want short ones. Can you can you get someone at the... At the um, dinosaur land to make short ones well like explain how to build a, to like 20 yeah. minutes explain how yeah. to build a car in 30 seconds um a chassis a catalytic converter some wheels and some paint boom there you okay. go you got it yeah 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 um let's see here you go no the great pyramid right here all dv but yeah it's a great uh, mystery to me uh, i would love to know who built the great pyramid Adam in the pre-flood world didn't have a Bible. Uh, it was being written. So I think God may have given them the whole gospel story in stone. And the Great Pyramid is a, is a really interesting study if you look at it from that perspective. You got, if you walk into the 
main entrance, uh, which they didn't find till 800 years ago or a thousand years ago. Uh, you walk into the entrance, you take the broad way down to the pit, or you can choose the narrow way up to the king's chamber. Uh, if you go take the narrow way to the king's chamber, you go up 153 stones, 153 steps, another interesting number from the Bible. And um, the Great Pyramid has enough stone to build a 10-foot high brick wall all the way around Texas. Some of the stones weigh 70 tons. The top is 455 feet high. Uh, on the 50th row of stones is the king's chamber. Well, 50 in the Bible is the year of Jubilee. So one of the theories is that it was built before the flood. What would a pyramid get, what would it do to a, a, the flood do to a pyramid? Just get it wet, and then it would dry out again. So see, the, the, Noah was in the ark for a year, but the flood, uh, flood didn't last a year. In some spots it might have. I, some of it's still flooded today. The Pacific Ocean is pretty big, and that's all still flooded. But so I think the parts of the earth might have only been underwater for a few weeks, long enough to drown everybody. So I don't have a, I don't preach dogmatically what it was, but I suspect the Great Pyramid was built pre-flood. All the rest of them are post-flood, and the Egyptians greatly exaggerated their numbers, and so I think that fits perfectly fine into the biblical uh, history of 6,000 years ago Earth, and then 4,400 years ago a flood, and everything can be explained. The evolutionists keep saying that the layers, the layers of the Earth are different ages. Kent, I've I linked in the side chat, in the private side chat, the link to a page, and it says pyramids packed with fossil shells. Many of Egypt's most famous monuments, such as the Sphinx and Cheops Pyramid in, at Giza, contain hundreds of thousands of marine fossils, according to a new study. Most of the fossils are intact and preserved in the monument walls, giving clues to how the monuments were built. I'm not following everything you're saying here. There are uh, hundreds of thousands of marine fossils under the pyramids. Is that what you're saying? No, they they used these. Um, uh, oh, the stones. Yes, they used these these stones to build actually the the pyramids. So. Well, right. Marine fossils are found worldwide. Petrified clams, like the one I'm holding in my hand, petrified clams in the closed position meaning it had to be buried quickly and buried alive. They find these on top of Mount Everest. Now, I don't think, I don't think the water was over Mount Everest. I think Mount Everest was under the water, which is very different. The Bible says at the end of the flood, the mountains rose up, the valley sank down, the water would run off into the hole, depending on how deeply, how quickly it, it, the earth crust tilt. Sections of the earth's crust would tilt. It's, the earth is still cracked up like an eggshell. So if the earth is covered in water, and one place lifts up, someplace else goes down, you're going to get mountain ranges that follow the coastline, which is exactly what we see. The Rocky Mountains follow the Pacific. The Andes, uh, Appalachian Mountains follow the North Atlantic. The Andes Mountains follow the South Pacific. The general trend is for mountain ranges to follow the coastlines. I think it's because a chunk of earth the size of, you know, a thousand miles across tilted and then the water would run off. How fast it tilted determines how fast it runs off and how deep the canyons are and how rugged the mountains are. The Bible says in 2 Peter, the scoffers are ignorant of the creation and the flood. I don't see anything can't be explained. Petrified clams on top of Mount Everest, which is millions of them, is, is easy for me to explain. There was a flood. At the end of the flood or during the last part of the flood or maybe even 100 years after the flood, the mountains lifted up. The Himalaya mountains are still coming up today. 
They're getting can't I, am not, can't I am not disputing or putting in doubt that Noah's flood and worldwide actually happened. What I have problem with yet to, to, to really come to a conclusion is that there are diverging timelines between the Septuagint, Old Testament, the Greek version, and the Masoretic text. And, the, and it is a discrepancy of about 650 years. I don't know if you have seen, there is a video on YouTube which explains that. And I can put it here in the site. Chat, you can look it up. And if you actually take the Septuagint and that timetable, then it makes actually sense. And um, then you can put the pyramids at 2450 BC as it is uh, commonly acknowledged at this the age of the pyramids. And Noah's flood, flood would be at about 3,300 BC. And then you would have actually a timeline which would make sense. Well, I'd be willing to look at any evidence somebody has for that, but I think those who study uh, Egyptology uh, generally agree there's gross exaggerations. There's also times where two people were Pharaoh at the same time. Egypt had civil war split in half, and they both counted their, their time as king or Pharaoh, but they put them in chronological order instead of they should be running parallel. Like we had a civil war in America. Should we count, uh, you know, both north and south? Should the, the time of those presidencies be end to end or parallel? So the Egyptians, there's a lot of things to understand about uh, the Egyptian king list. I've got stuff on it right here someplace. Uh, maybe not. No. There's a, a guy named Corville did a lot of research back in the 50s on the Egyptians. He wrote a book called The Evolution Cruncher. Great big book, uh, but we used to sell it. Do we still have that, Sandra? Okay. Um, but it's an excellent book. He's got a whole chapter in there on Egyptology and the exaggerations that they went through, either exaggerating their time or uh, a co-regent. Sometimes dad is still king, but his son is also counting that time. He's king. And then when dad dies, he takes over and is king by himself. So it's overlapping reigns. But we're still talking uh, most, you know, hundreds of years. At the most, hundreds or maybe a thousand years. Not, certainly not, not, not billions of years, right. So these minor discrepancies. I, I would stick with the biblical date of the flood being about 2400 BC, 4400 years ago. I see no reason to reject that from any scientific evidence we've seen. Well, if you take the Masoretic timeline, then actually Noah would, uh, would have lived until uh, the, the pyramids of Giza were built. Correct. Um, Noah, probably, Noah probably knew about the pyramids being built. I don't know. Yeah, I've put the link in the side chat, uh, Dr. Dr. Hovind. Hey, uh, uh, folks, Miss Parker's been asking in private chat if she would be able to ask some questions as well, if that would be okay. Sure. Oh, yeah, but any questions? Before we do that, I was curious, Kent, what you think of this? Since we don't have our atheist in the room like we wanted, uh, maybe we should show a short thing of the alternative view and see if it makes sense to people. Are we ready? Here we go. Check this out, Kent. You're going to love it. Fish. Human beings are still fish. Human beings are fish? Why, yes, of course they are. How long did that take? A couple of billions of years. Millions. A couple of millions? How is that observable? It's not. Do you believe we all came from sponges, Dave? Do you believe this textbook yes. is right? Yes. But my 200 million great-grandfather was a fish. And by the way, the same fish was your 200 million great-grandfather. <laughs> We're all African apes. We're apes with a shave. Yeah, yeah exactly right. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, so if I'm out in the woods, I'm full-on wolf. Like, if I'm with close friends, 
what's the problem? Yeah, and what so, are you doing when you're out there? Um, so we're running around. We do kind of play it as wolves. Like on all fours? Uh, at times, yes. Sometimes we're two-legged, making wolf vocal stuff. But here's something I might do when I'm out there as far as a howl. Sure. There's the alternative, Kent. <laughs> well, I, I did have a question about evolution. Now, again, totally, we don't have to, uh, I'm not trying to fight with anybody at all. I'm just asking the question because I am genuinely curious. Um, when, when Dr. Kent Hoven talks about evolution, there are several types of evolution that Dr. Hoven talks about. There is uh, planetary evolution. Uh, star evolution. Um, there's animal evolution. There, there's a bunch of them, and and then I remember I, I've spoken to some to some secular scientists, and they say, well, that's not how you use the word um, evolution. So can can you help me to understand how the word is being used, what we're talking about here? Because that's something else I've always ran into trouble with. Um, not only understanding growing up, but trying to now apply that in conversation. Well, the word evolution means an unrolling, okay? There's, uh, people have argued about the original meaning of the word and all that stuff. It doesn't matter to me. You're right. that There's many different meanings to the word. I, I break it up into six different categories, and I have slides for that, which I cover quite often on my seminar series. I'm trying to find uh, right now seminar yes, part one. Seminar series, which is really cool. And, and, and I always, it's just, I guess I'm confused. Like, can, can we, can, can you really call star development a type of evolution? Well, they certainly do in the textbooks, which is my objection. We're paying for all this to mm -hmm. be taught to the kids. They talk about stellar evolution. The stars would have to evolve. First, you'd have to have what we call cosmic evolution, the origin of time, space, matter. I don't know, I can't believe I can't find it right now out of my 60,000 slides, but uh, cosmic evolution is the origin of time, space, and matter. Where did time come from? Where did space come from? Where did matter come from? So you have to have time, space, and matter come into existence. So they have, you, it's, not, it's not fair to, talk, to say that there are 167 species of ducks, and there are, okay. Therefore, mm -hmm. because we see these varieties of ducks, that proves everything's related. No, it doesn't. It proves maybe the ducks are related, but that's it. There are 250 breeds of cows, okay? They might've had a common ancestor called a cow. Well, we well, I, th I, th I think you said something very interesting resorting to cosmic evolution. And this is interesting because in order to have stable atoms, you need the four fundamental forces just right. And what happens? Supposedly, if you take the Big Bang Theory, everything started with the unified force right at the beginning, which was their singularity. And then it evolved or split into these four fundamental forces. Now, the thing is, there was no Darwinian replication or something in the sort which then by small adaptations came to um, a functional outcome which would permit stable atoms. Now, uh, if, you, if you take that it happened naturally, how is it possible that these four fundamental forces got just right in order to have stable atoms, which then are the prerequisite to have molecules and then life? And this is a big problem for naturalism because there was no natural selection, neither in physics 
nor in biochemistry, where you also require natural selection for the basic building blocks of life. You have just theoretically natural selection in biology, which presupposes DNA and life starting. So you have big problems there. That's right. It'd be like having to win the lottery a trillion times in a row in order for this to work. And I remember there's a case with, uh, there was a case that happened really, really close to getting um, creationism taught in schools alongside with evolution. And that ended up getting shot down. Are there going to be more attempts to get that back into in front of a judge? And if so, could you spill the tea? <laughs> well, tell me what's yeah. going on. the Dover yeah. case, uh, yeah. they said we want in Dover, Pennsylvania, they said, we want equal time, creation, evolution. And the court ruled, no, this would be sponsoring a religious belief to be taught in a classroom. And they're probably correct. What they did not even examine was, isn't evolution sponsoring a religious belief? Yeah. Nobody's Has there been any leeway on that front? Is there any legal headway kind of getting the courts to think that evolution is also a religion? Or how, how do we get to that point? Well, I think they should be cases like, look, I don't want my kid taught that. Somebody, I don't have kids in public school, but if you, if I did, I would probably say, look, I don't want them taught this. If they were teaching your kids in public school that all, everything in the universe came from a fish uh, out of the Nile River, or, or, come on. Don't, don't. In science class, they should teach science. Science is what we know, what we observe. We know cows produce cows. We do yeah, not but, know cows you know, and mosquitoes. I think you need to be careful. You cannot put just and say evolution. I mean, evolution can be um, adaptation or s small changes which are actually observed. It is empirical. There is no dispute. Even uh, creationists like, I guess, Dr. Hovind, me, we all agree on that, that these adaptations occur and they are even necessary for life to start. Life needs to be able to adapt to the environment. But when it comes to the quest, how did biodiversity emerge? Uh, and then is the, the, the claim of the tree of life and common ancestry. Uh, that is the big dispute here. Can we, the entire biodiversity explained by evolutionary mechanisms? And I would say if someone looks at the molecular level, then the evidence doesn't lead to that direction, that unguided, non-intelligent mechanisms suffice to explain biodiversity. We have more layers of complexity be be besides genetics and special epigenetics. We have 45 different epigenetic codes and languages which are working and operating in the development of uh, uh, multicellular organisms. These also need to be set up. These also need to come about. How do you explain this? And that's where evolutionary theory actually fails. And when you study it, then you see that there is um, uh, interdependence there where all these different languages and signaling networks work in interdependent fashion together. And that's something which you cannot explain by a gradual uh, uh, evolutionary manner just over time without the input of intelligence. Oh, uh, Kent, I was going to let you know, it looks like Free Thoughts has was apparently asleep and he woke up. Did I tell you? My voice, uh, it cures insomnia. Hey. <laughs> Brett, can I ask one more question of the doctor, uh, of the good Dr. Hoven? Um, I, have, I have a question. Okay, so... <clears throat> When I was growing up, I told you I, I grew up very, I was very, very religious, all that fun stuff. Um, I was told that the government has no control 
over who I am because I am of God. So I do not have to, like, if, if they want me to go to war or if they want me to do something that's outside of what God has already ordained for me, then I don't have to obey that. Is that a true uh, summation? As a Christian, do I have to obey the government or do I need to obey the laws of Caesar? Because I have both of those arguments and I'm not entirely sure which one is the most viable. Well, this has been a, a, a question people have argued and fought wars over for centuries. You know, our Revolutionary War was over this question. You know, King George, do you have authority to tell us what to do over here in America? There you King go. George said, yeah, so, I do. They said, no, we don't. And so they fought over it. And so um, it, it amounts to really the, a vast difference in theology and in uh, uh, your philosophy of life. Um, on, on your property, if I came to your house and said, I want to tear this house down. You would say, no, yeah. that's not your house. You have rights on your property. Do you own this property? Now, if the state buys property and builds highways on their property, they have a right to say, don't go faster than this speed on this road or we will find mm -hmm. you. If you don't like that, don't drive on our road because that road belongs. Kent, your mic has went quiet. You cut your mic. Don't do that to me, bro. We're in a jazz here. <laughs> you you were getting on to uh, the highway. If you speed, get off my highway. That's what his we battery went for. out. He's going to switch it real quick. Still can't hear you, Kent. Sorry. Yeah. You got to fix that. Something. Yeah. Goodness. He may need That's to one reload. of those plaguing questions <laughs> I've had because I if I talk to certain people, they're like, no, you have to. You have to obey the laws of Caesar. And then you have other people who will say, well, no, if Caesar's telling you to do something that's against God, then you shouldn't do it at all. And I guess I'm just wondering, um, and I'll take the question from any of you guys if you want to take a whack at it, but it is a genuine question. So I'm totally here to listen. Well, what was that, Mr. Tanglo? What was that quote from Jesus? Give unto Caesar what is Caesar's, but right. give unto God what is God. Right, so I, I think as long as the laws of man do not supersede God, then there shouldn't be any kind of issue. But it's obvious in the state of the way our world is, there's a lot of things that are going way against the uh, concept of God. If you don't mind me asking, Ms. Parker, what is your, I always ask people this, what is your theological position and political disposition? I don't know my political disposition yet. I'm going to take a um, a political um test to see where I side. I'm going to do that live on my channel because I honestly have no idea. Um, I've never, I've never done politics to really think about it. But from what people tell me, apparently I'm a lib. So that's a bad thing. I think apparently um, it's used as an insult. So <laughs> I'm going to go get no, I, th I think that there's conservatives, oh, independents, as well as liberals. Uh, everybody's yeah. got a couple good ideas and everything, but everybody's also got some really bad ones, too. And I'm even That's saying that about my side of the aisle. Yeah. That's kind of where I'm at. Like, I don't know if I can pick and choose exactly who I side with 100% of the time, but, you know, I like good ideas and I argue bad ideas. Um, now, when it comes to my religious belief or lack thereof, Kent, uh, Brent, you know that I'm an atheist. I'm a very nice atheist. Um, I am not, I don't want to argue or be argumentative. I try not to make people um, feel, up. I don't want anyone to be upset by that. <laughs> but I know once I say it, it's like, ah! So cat's out of the bag, folks. 
I just don't, I don't want, listen, if Kent comes in here and whacks me, it's your fault, Brent. I will blame but, you. But just to be curious, why are you an atheist? There we go. Um, I am still looking for that information that makes me feel as confident as you guys feel with your choice. I haven't found that yet. I, I am still searching. I'm still looking. That's why I'm here talking to one of the people again that I remember learning from as a child. So, so are you, you then know. an agnostic? Or are you an atheist? She, she's an atheist. She just said that just atheist. a moment yeah. ago. Ms. Yeah, Parker, you mind if I ask you a question real quick? Oh, cool. Right ahead, sweet pie. Now, you used to be a Christian, so you know that mm -hmm. the belief is that God created two blueprinted humans that would continue to reproduce and make families. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. evolution, how would you... Uh, how would you suggest know. that man? How would you suggest that man and woman came into existence through evolution? Well, that's the thing. I don't know. You you know, like I've told you, I did. I've never went to college for those things. I'm not. <clears throat> I'm not a biologist. I'm literally just a housewife who has a platform online that gives me an opportunity to ask those questions. Now, when I have talked to some, um, <clears throat> as you guys call them, evolutionists, you know, when I have talked to them, uh, they explain to me that there are changes in the allele forms of the DNA and over a long course of time, uh, you will see those changes turn into speciation and that speciation is what we see as uh, different species. But it's the exact same thing as saying that, well, a dog gives birth to a dog because they do, because you can't escape your clade. And so it, it to me, what it sounds like to me is like, I'm hearing the same story, it's just, it's getting jumbled a little on both sides. So I'm still very confused on it. Like I said, I want to know, I would like to leave this plane of existence knowing as much as I can. Um, so yeah, I get confused easy. I, I don't know how to answer that question. I really don't. I'm sorry. I wish I was a little more articulate on that, but I just, I don't have, I don't have the words. Miss Parker, don't be so hard on yourself. You're doing just fine. Can't watch your views. <laughs> Well, I think everybody would agree. We all see uh, variations. Every farmer in the history of the world will tell you, you can get a lot of varieties in whatever you're raising. There are now 500 varieties of chickens. Okay, they might've had a common ancestor called a chicken. That's all we've ever observed. There are 339 recognized breeds of dogs. There are 4,000 recognized varieties of potatoes in the world. They might have had a common ancestor called a potato. That does not prove dogs and potatoes have a common ancestor. So these family trees that they make are pure imagination. We see what varieties happen and it stops. The variations have limits. What Sometimes parents have children that are taller than others. No question. You think anybody will ever have a child that grows to be 85,000 feet tall? Well, no, there's a limit in there. What is that limit? I don't know, eight feet? There have been some eight footers on the world, Robert Wadlow, sure. Maybe we can get a 10 footer one day, but I don't think we're gonna get a thousand foot tall child ever. There's, they, there's limits to the dogs. They now have the toy chihuahua, completely useless. Okay, do you I think have they'll one. ever get a, yeah. <laughs> will, they, will they ever get a dog as small as a flea? No, there's a limit. There are animals as small as a flea, like a flea, you know, but we don't know. There are limits. Sure, changes happen within limits. That's what the evolutionist so refuses to understand. How, how then, okay, so, so there are eukaryotes. Like, okay, so the word eukaryote is the word that gets tossed around a lot. And I have, I was like, okay, what in the, 
what in the F and A is a eukaryote? And I promise, Brent, I am not going to cuss. I usually have a really bad potty mouth, but I am going to be the best tonight, okay? You're um, doing awesome. I promise. A eukaryote is simply any creature or life form that the cells, your body probably has 100 trillion cells. Yes. In the cell, there's a nucleus that contains the information. That's the computer. That's the brains of that cell. That is made up of 46 chromosomes. That's where the information is stored. That's your hard drive. Those chromosomes, they're incredibly complicated. That nucleus inside that cell has a membrane around it to protect it. Now it's a eukaryote. It's just a name they give for any animal made out of cells where the nucleus is combined, is enwrapped in, in, in a membrane. Some of them, I've this information heard. is floating freely in the cell rather than in a nucleus. That's all it means. So in their, in their mind, they think all the animals that have a nucleus that is wrapped in a membrane, a eukaryote, must be related. I would say no. Maybe they all had a common designer and that's a good way to do it. That's so like could, saying any car that say... is not a, you know, all the, all the cars that have a roof on them have to be related. No, it's a good way to make a car, put a roof on it. So could it, okay, so it's also been explained to be um, that like, okay, so like evolution is just a tool that God used to make everything happen. So evolution is real and it is exactly what we think it is, but God just used that as a tool to um, kind of usher in all this speciation. Could that also be a possibility in the situation or is that something that is just kind of muddying the water? Well, that would be accusing God of being pretty cruel and mean and, you know, causing lots of death and suffering because evolution leads straight into the idea of Adolf Hitler or uh, the Civil War racism. If, if the variations happen, which ones get to survive? Oh, the superior race. Charlie Darwin's book, The Origin of Species by Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of Favored Races. So the idea that one color of skin is more superior to other colors of skin is what started our civil war. Adolf mm -hmm. Hitler believed that. He thought some race was superior. In his mind, he had a chart that he went by. The blonde-haired, blue-eyed were the superior race. They're the ones that are the, the most advanced. That's what Hitler thought. And we should really kill everybody else off to, uh, to make the human humanity better. Uh, he was, all these people, the biggest killers in history, killed people because of their belief. They believed in the survival of the fittest, kill anybody who disagrees. So... That's a good chart. I like that one, Brett. Uh, so the uh, idea that uh, man has evolved, I would not blame God for that. I think God created the genetic code of every life form to be able to produce a variety. I think the pine trees can produce some babies that'll survive on genetic code of every pine trees produce some babies that survive in sandy soil. And some produce babies that produce that survive better in uh, wet soil, swampy soil. So there's now 113 or 115 different varieties of pine trees. They might have had a common ancestor called a pine tree. That, that's it. That, that's that's, that's microevolution or variation within the kind, but that's not really evolution like they talk about in the textbook. I saw, I saw uh, Jonathan there for a minute. Uh, yes, it's getting exciting. I don't want to take too much of your guys' this time because I feel like the, I, he probably has way more educated conversation prepared. Um, well, I hope but, you hang out, Miss Parker. Enjoy yeah, having you. I did want to ask one more question, and and I it, this is a little bit more personal. Um, 
of, of, of Kent. So this is my Christian, my Christian brain and heart sure. talking to you right now. Okay. I still suffer from hell dreams. I have these dreams where I wake up and I see, um, you know, the, the rapture is happening and there's hellfire and there's all of these things happening. I fear one of my greatest fears still to this day is making the wrong mistake. My grandmother told me once, if you believe in your soul, this is the most important decision you can ever make. How do I determine that I have made the right decision? Well, there's only two choices. There is a God or there isn't. Nobody's thought of a third choice, okay? There is a God or there isn't. If there's a God who created all of this, then is it logical that he would uh, leave behind a book and tell us what he did and what he wants and what are the rules? I mean, if you walk into a, walk into a city and find a fully functioning city, well, who built this? Who, who owns it? What's the rules? What do I have to do to live here? Uh, you probably live in a house of some kind or an apartment. I bet whoever owns that house has some rules. Uh, no drugs on this property, for example, would be a common one. And so I, God, if God owns the world, then he makes the rules. And to me, it's logical that he would write a book and preserve the book. If your city passes a law that says the speed limit is going to be 50 miles an hour on this road, they now have to do three things. Number one, they got to publish the law. Let everybody know, hey, on you know, last Thursday night, the council voted to pass a law. And here's the new law. They got to publish it. It's not fair to start giving out tickets if you, nobody can know the law. It's a secret law. It has to be published. Then they got to post it, put up a sign, speed limit 50. Then they got to preserve it. If somebody knocks the sign down, boy, they're out there now putting up another one because they want to preserve the sign, the, the, the law. So God, I think if there's a God, he's obligated to publish what does he want and to post it someplace and to preserve it. And I happen to believe after years of studying on this topic, he has preserved the Bible for us exactly what he wants us to know, at least for the English people in the King James Version. I've not been able really to find a mistake. I really appreciate you taking my questions. I know you didn't have to do that because I'm like a nobody or whatever, but I really do appreciate you taking my questions. I'm going to I'm gonna mute my mic because I have a feeling, John, uh, hi, John, how are you doing? I'm going to Hello. Back. I'm, I'm, I'm awake. That's the best I can say. <laughs> well, it's good to see you there, John. I, uh, I was telling Kent earlier that I'm the cure for insomnia. I just put everybody to sleep. <laughs> Is <laughs> what it is. So, John, I, I try to what I what I try to do is put some questions out there to get a conversation rolling and uh, just get everybody uh, excited. John, before we do that, though, can you plug your channel? Talk a little bit about uh, what you're about, uh, some of your credentials, and also Kent. Uh, don't really need to do this because everybody loves you anyway. But you should promote uh, Dinosaur Land in your your YouTube channel. Okay. Thank you. Well, greetings. Um, it is nearly two, no, gone 2 a.m. here. And, um, and you're right, it is uh, 27th, Wednesday the 27th, but, you know, I had a couple of glasses of wine and a beer, and I fell asleep. <laughs> so uh, it's, you're lucky that I popped awake with, I wouldn't call it insomnia, you know, it's, it's, um, it's probably age as much as anything that makes me wake up occasionally in the middle of the night. Anyway, you're lucky, here I am, <laughs> if you call that lucky. So no, I feel very fortunate that all of you are here, including Miss <laughs> Parker. So it's nice to meet you guys. But um, as for who I am and what I do, well, I'm a retired science teacher who can't stop. 
And so I've discovered YouTube. I've got a channel. I've been doing it now for several, oh, two or more years. I can't remember. I began doing this when I was the publications director of Atheist Alliance International. And since then, I've moved on. I'm now the president of Atheism UK. And uh, it's the, my channel. I mean, these organizations also have their channel, Atheist UK. Atheist Alliance International. Pardon my sleepy head. And Atheism UK, and they have their own channels, and I appear on, on them variously. But I have my own personal channel, which is called Free Thought Productions. And uh, what I do on there is I, I make at least three shows every week, and that's some of my stuff. Thank you, Brett. And uh, uh, one of my shows is called Global Atheist News. It's where I feature the the news which doesn't normally get shown on the mainstream news channels. This is the news that's specifically of a religious origin. Okay, so it's what, what atheist, Global Atheist News does is report on events in the preceding week that have happened uh, according to a religious purpose, inspiration, and, and have had an impact on humanity. Is that me feeding back? Can I hear echoing? Yeah, you might have turned you have get your headset. microphone away from your speakers a little bit because you haven't kind of, yeah, feedback. Well, you have I, a feedback I, loop. If you have a headset, it would really help to cut it no, all the way out. I don't have a headset. I don't normally need one because I use a Mac. So you just switch it on and everything works. <laughs> well, you could go in the settings and uh, click something called echo cancellation, and that'll fix mm -hmm. it for you. I'll have a go. Within the yeah. app itself, you can do that. I'll have a go. While you're doing that, whenever somebody else is speaking, just mute the mic. I'll, I'll do it for you. Just look at the bottom, and you'll see where you can do that at. All right, uh, Mr. Uh, Hoven, would you like to promote yours? And Mr. Parker, if you'd like to, after Kent, you can promote your channel as well. Oh, I definitely do not need to promote my channel on your channel. I am not. The, these are respectable men. These are professionals. I am trash TV, so don't worry about me. So much humility. Yeah. <laughs> All right, Kent, anytime you're ready, sir. For me? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I don't believe in leprechauns. I have a channel called noleprechaun.us. Uh, I don't know why you want to go on a whole campaign for not believing in something. I, I don't understand the atheists, why they would want to promote why they don't believe in something. I don't believe in leprechauns. So <laughs> I think it's obvious because of their intense desire to, to try to get other people to not believe like them. It, it, there's more to it than just simply not believing in God. Yeah. I think it's know. obvious. I think there had to be a designer. There had to be a designer for this ink pen, a simple screw, a nut, a bolt, a nail. Everything has the most complex machine in the entire universe is the human body. More complex than all the space shuttles and all the uh, uh, fancy machines in the, in the universe. And they want to think nobody designed it. That is just a level of stupidity that I can't comprehend. How okay. can you possibly? If I said I want you to explain you just, how this ink pen came to me, but you cannot use man as your answer. Well, I've already taken off the logical answer by my premise. And the atheists want to say, 
We have to explain how the universe got here, but we can't use God as our answer. I, there's, no, there's no way to explain the universe within the universe. You have to go outside. Somebody who is outside of time, space, matter created time, space, matter. I don't have a problem believing that. Now, I don't force everybody else to believe like I believe. Drew, I guess. But Drew, I guess that's, that's the only logical answer. I believe God made the world. I believe God wrote a book and told us how he did it. I believe the Bible is scientifically accurate. I think there was a worldwide flood that made all the layers that we see in the world. The atheists, their, their Bible is the geologic column, which does not exist anywhere. You cannot find any place where all the layers of the earth, all the layers are the same age. They say the top layer is younger. I see. Where did it come from? Outer space? What do you mean the top layer is younger? We shake this thing up and make a bunch of layers all the time. All the layers are the same age. They're all in there at the same time. If you shuffle a deck of cards, is the top card younger? No. The whole I, the geologic column does not exist anywhere. It's logically stupid to believe that the layers are different ages, and th there's no such thing as a fossil record. There's a lot of fossils in the ground, trillions and trillions of them, but it's not a record. None of them have a date stamped on of them. None of them can talk. There's not a fossil record. There are fossils. There's not a geologic column. There are layers to the earth, and they're just as easy to explain by hydrologic sorting as by any other, the, the idea that the layers are different ages is simply not true, baloney. So the, the premise that evolution is built on is uh, that there no, nobody designed it. Nobody designed this ink pen. That's their premise. Nobody designed this amazing human body. I, that's so ridiculous in my book. One cell in your body, one cell is more complex than the whole uh, country of England. Go ahead. I'm sorry. All right, let me throw out some questions, see what you guys do with it. We'll let Mr. Richards uh, respond first. The first question is, is it your belief that all matter, time, space, nature, and eventually the singularity that would create the great expansion of our universe did this without any form of intelligence? You first, Mr. Richards. Well, first of all, I want to, can you hear me now? Yeah? Yeah, good. I've checked my my echo cancellation button. It was always on, as it as it always is. So it, I don't know why it was echoing. It doesn't seem to be now, so that's good. So I've just been swamped with a tirade of nonsense, I'm afraid. <laughs> and before I get into your question, I want to blow back on that. So um Kent, you said that you don't understand why uh, atheists have channels because uh, if we don't believe in a god why would we have a channel about it that's a very good question and it, you could apply that reasoning to your claim that atheists do bad things for no god because of course that's also nonsense nobody would want to please no god by their actions. So what you've just done there is undermined the common theistic claim that atheists do something because they don't believe in your God, because it doesn't make sense. And okay. putting up that meme contributes nothing to the conversation because that's just a claim. And Stalin didn't do the atrocities that he committed because of no God any more than anyone did. 
that there is no reason to try and police, to try and please a, a, an agent that you don't believe in. Yeah, yeah. I've seen all these memes. Take them down and let me address the issue here, please. Okay. And then, Kent, you went on with fallacy after fallacy. You mentioned the, the use the fallacy of the personal incredulity when you said that everything's complex, and therefore it must have been designed. Does that echo me again? Yeah, unfortunately, folks, we got to kind of mute our mics whenever one person's talking and we're going to get that awesome feedback. Feedback's awesome with the guitar, though, isn't it? Well, Brett, can we do one topic at a time? We're going to have five things going here. Which particular, if he'd like to talk about atheism and doing bad things and, you know, Stalin, et cetera, let's, let's finish that topic before we go on to another one. Shall we talk about morality of uh, atheism, objective morality? Is that what we want to talk about? Whatever oh. Jonathan would like, but I'd, I'd, I would like to do one topic at a time. Whichever topic it is, just pick one. I was trying to address the the outpouring of error, misconception, misunderstanding after each other that you came up with, Kent, a few minutes okay. ago. Well, let me ask you. A, let me ask you a simple question then. Mm -hmm. How do you tell right from wrong? Right from wrong is a judgment call based on the incident individually, based on the, it's a contingency matter. There is no absolute right or wrong. Okay. Any, any act, even murder, can be assessed, evaluated as being right, depending on the occasion. I mean, if somebody is threatening to kill your child, it's right to kill them to prevent that happening. And you can't have a, 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 an absolute uh, predetermined rule about any action or almost any action. And so we determine right from wrong by the way it affects others. You know, if it causes harm to others needlessly, it's wrong. Well, you just gave an absolute. You just said if someone tries to kill your child, it's okay to kill them. Are you absolutely sure that that is absolute? Well, I can justify that on biological grounds because okay. we, we are evolved to, as a species, to succeed. And we've done very well. There's nine billion of us. We've populated almost the entire planet and anywhere that's habitable, except perhaps the bed of the sea. We've even managed to set foot outside of our planet and have a, an international space station. And we briefly visited the moon. So we are a successful species in terms of population size and conquering of potential habitats. Now, the reason we've got there and done that is because we're a social and cooperative species and killing, needlessly killing other members of our own species is obviously counter to that principle. Now, I'm not saying that 
it's always wrong to kill. If you've got somebody who is terminally ill, it might be the right thing to do. We have that in, in Europe. I don't know whether you do in the States, but we have uh, assisted dying. It started in Switzerland and it's spreading to other parts of Europe. And it's a merciful thing to do if somebody is in, in you know, incurable and uh, horrendous pain. It's right. But as a general principle, an absolute general principle, we want to grow the population, not diminish it. Okay, so if I have children that are starving and hungry, and you have lots of food, is it okay for me to kill you to get your food to feed my children? After all, you're older, your life's about done. I want to feed the younger generation. What would be wrong with that? My point would be, where's your standard for right and wrong? Okay, okay. Good question. It's all right for you to get my food, if you, particularly if I agree with... Remember, the operative word here is cooperation, okay? It's not all right for you to kill me and steal my food because you're going to lose my cooperation if you do that. But if you ask me for my food and point to the starving children, I'm going to give it to you because that's the humane thing to do to help grow our population. That's the principle. Okay, so if the queen says, uh, you are working, earning money, you're going to have to give X number percent of your income so that a queen can decide how to feed these other people who don't have food. And if you don't agree with that, we're going to put you in jail, which is what all taxation is. It's forced uh, cooperation. It's not voluntary. It's forced on you. You have to cooperate to do these projects. So you have, you have a standard in England. There you're on the metric standard over there. Uh, so you, you have a standard. This is, this is a, a centimeter. Okay, go ahead. Oh, don't go into one of your rants again, which opens up so many rabbit holes. <laughs> let me let me set you right on a couple of things. First of all, the Queen has no power. It's a weird American misunderstanding that you think we're ruled by a Queen. Those days ended at least 500 years ago, right? Now, taxation, that's a completely separate issue, and we've agreed to it. We've signed up to it because we voted in a government that told us it was going to do that. So th this is not a, the same issue. What you're doing is muddying the water. But I wanted to finish promoting my channel because uh, okay. we had an echo problem and I had to go mute it. So. Global Atheist News is my weekly show on reporting on the way religion has impacted humanity in the preceding week. Okay, that goes out on a Saturday. Following that, there is Free Thought Hour, which is a chat show. It's an interview between me and sometimes it's an academic, sometimes it's a, a non-academic, but interesting person. A lot of the time, these people have a history many of them are americans and they've had a history of being raised in a religion it doesn't happen so much here we don't raise our children very few of us raise our children in a religion in the uk or in europe in general that's a peculiar american thing and so there's a lot of people in your country who 
are buried in religion in their family as young children. And then they, many of them have to clamber their way out of this bond and, and come to the realization that it's nonsense. And that leaves them mentally difficult. Um, Keen will tell you he's been in and out of this hole, so he, he knows how difficult it is to deconstruct. Anyway, I talk to people who've been on that journey quite a lot. The third show that I do is called Global Atheist News Review. And unlike the news itself, it's not an impartial report of events. This is a, a, a panel expressing their views on the news. So here we have opinionated people looking back at the items that came up in the in the actual news the day before and saying what they think about them. Now those are the three shows that I do every week. But I also bring in chats like this here on the Atheism UK podcast and various other things. I'm quite a busy guy. But why do I do it? Let's get back to that. Yeah? I don't do it to please no God. <laughs> Ridiculous. What I do it for is to help people to escape from the problem that they were inducted into as children. And I'm, a, I'm an ex-science teacher, so I do it to help people understand how everything really works. Not by people up there issuing edicts, but by actual observable processes. Okay, I've finished doing my uh, production, my promote promotion. Okay. Uh, which which of your fallacies would you like me to address? The fallacy of incredulity, personal incredulity, which in which you say this is complicated, therefore my God. Do you want me to address that one? Well, I think everybody uh, would agree that complex things, so nobody's ever observed them come into existence on their own. Nobody's ever observed an, even a simple ink pen come into okay, existence. Okay, 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 we got that. You did your ink pen thing earlier. Right. What Can do you, you mean? Explain, no? explain how this came to be without using man as your answer. Well, that's a ridiculous request because we know how that came to be it it's man-made <laughs> very good so, very good so explain <laughs> explain how us how, how a single cell came to be a single cell more complex than the space station it, how did it come to be without having a designer okay well here's the answer you're not going to like it but this is it we don't no. Well, then why do we teach it to the kids in school like that's part of science? We don't teach it to kids at school. What we teach is evolution. Now, evolution is not, please listen to this, it's important. It's not an explanation for the origin of life. What evolution is, is an explanation for the diversity of life, okay? We don't yet have an explanation for the origin of life. 
We're working okay. on it. Be patient. Okay. May I, uh, may I say something? I don't understand why non-believers continue to say that abiogenesis or spontaneous generation has nothing to do with evolution. And the very definition of abiogenesis, the original evolution of life or living organisms from inorganic or inanimate substances. So, I mean, that's exactly the definition. Do you have the perfect face for radio, Brett? Is that why you're on a dark camera? What is this? Well, that's me. <laughs> okay, right. Okay. Not very visible. That doesn't matter to me if he's in the dark. Um, the textbooks do teach, in my country certainly, that life started from non-living material. The theory of organic evolution, right here on screen, golifescience.com, a new theory of organic evolution, nature.com, theories of organic evolution, how life got started. They are teaching this at taxpayer expense, and they're not including the idea there might have been a designer do it. Okay, okay, okay. Let me address that. Don't go into one of your rants. Okay, one point at a time. What those textbooks are saying is not that this is established fact. They're saying that this is a speculation. There's a number of ways that life could possibly have begun on this planet. One of them is God done it, your idea, okay? Another one is called panspermia, and that is that it came in uh, as organic molecules from outer space, which sort of seeded the process here on planet Earth. Another one is, yeah, abiogenesis, that it, the inorganic matter gradually became more complex in certain circumstances. There's the, the hot geysers under the middle of the ocean ridge, you know, or there's the, the warm pools that evaporate. There are various different, but these are not known facts. These are scientific speculation. And we haven't ruled out creationism. We can't rule it out. It's in there as one of the potential, potential explanations for how life began. Is it scientific? Should it be included in a science? Do we don't, have we ever observed uh, molecules come together and form a living cell? It's no. outside the realm of science. Why do we touch this? Well, hang on, Why, hang on. Okay, okay. Don't go off. <laughs> is it scientific? That's a very good question. Is it scientific to speculate? What are you saying? That scientists are not allowed to have blue sky guesses as to what the potential explanations might be? What are you saying? Are you saying that every word that comes out of a scientist's mouth must be an established truth? Hey, that's unreasonable, isn't it? No, we it's can... perfectly fine. Perfectly fine to speculate. Transpermia only postpones the problem. Life started somewhere else and got transported here. That's still not answering. How did life get started? Well, I'm think... sorry. I'm sorry for you, but you'll have to come to terms with the fact that, as I said earlier, we just don't know. Be patient. Science I isn't can... finished yet. We're still researching. It might happen in my lifetime. It might happen in yours or it might not happen. 
we might not get the answer in, in the lifetime of even young the Parker. Hello, Parker. Yeah. So I can't, like you said, it's a religion. We have to have faith that it'll adjust it. No, 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 no. That's nonsense. It's not a religion. What you have to understand here is the difference between belief and evidence. I wanted to ask you some questions, uh, Kent. I, I've made notes of them in a document. Give me a minute. I'll pull it up. Well, John, we can do some questions, but there is something that we have to kind of set up here. I've noticed that when Kent starts talking, you kind of jump right in there and over him uh, immediately. Well, can you let him finish his statement and well, then you go? Uh, yeah, so you're not right. even letting me finish my statement, Mr. Richards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why I do Mr. that. Mr. Richards, one at a time, please. I'm just asking. Okay, yeah. I'll, tell you, I'll tell you why I do that. It's because... Kent uses a technique called gish galloping. What he does is he piles fallacy upon misconception, upon mistake, upon misunderstanding in a whole rigmarole, and you, you I'm John, left behind. John, in a just you, John, just because you don't like his view or ideology does not give you the right to just keep cutting him off. Let's have a respectful conversation. Okay. I'm, I'm trying to. Right. I'm trying. I'm trying to have a respectful interaction with Kent, but he's got to let me address each of his points at a time. Not just swamp me. Not just swamp me with a load of nonsense. That I've got to try and pick out one or two to react to. All right, let's do. I, have, I knew Dwayne Gish, that they called the Gish Gallop. It's yeah, the yeah. atheists that do this continually. The Gish Gallop, they're the ones who want to bring up 10 points like you just did. You said, well, there are several theories of how we got here. There's transpermia, blah, you, you stop. Transpermia is just the same problem. As, take one topic at a time. You, that's not an answer. It's not a scientific no, no. answer. Yeah, I agree. It's not an answer. Okay. If you remember... And One of the first things I said in response to this particular issue was, we don't know. We haven't okay. got an answer. And we're honest and honorable to admit that. We don't know. We can the speculate, but the, 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 answer, the answer hasn't arrived yet. Here. Slide number four, five, six. Okay. The textbooks teach, we do know. Mammals and reptiles and frogs and starfish had a common ancestor. This is the stuff they're teaching. You That's don't different. know that. Hang we on. know, like this textbook. Do you know that animals, fungi, okay, okay. and plants okay, came from bacteria? Mr. Richards, He's doing please. it again. Simple, a simple question. These charts, on. the textbooks do show all life forms coming from a common ancestor. They're teaching this. All the many forms of life on Earth are descended from a common ancestor. This is what the books are saying. I disagree. That's not science. That's a religion. We know there's 300 kinds of dogs. We there do not know that dogs and mosquitoes are related. You guys teach it like it's a fact. Dogs and mosquitoes have a common ancestor. You don't know such a thing. But they teach it like that, and we're all paying for that. Glencoe Biology on the shelf here. This is for 50 years now. The evolution religion, it gets exclusive coverage in the books. Go start a private school and teach it to those who want to pay and come learn it. Yes, they do teach evolution, including the origin of life, 
and the diversity of life from one common ancestor, here it is in front of your face, from a primitive unicellular organism. Is that science to say that, is, or is that a religious belief? He stopped. I can speak. Hooray! <laughs> you made your point in the very first sentence that you said, Kent. And then you went on and on and on and on, remaking it. Mr. Richards. What? Well, I, I don't understand why you're acting like this. Uh, Kent was being nothing but respectful to you. You okay. were doing fine the last discussion we had, but you're being very, okay. very inconsiderate. Right. Please okay. work on it. Composure. Okay. 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 So instead of letting Kent rant on and on, remaking the same point over and over again, why don't John, you... John, I'm starting to run out of patience, sir. Please. Respect. Okay. Let's take a look at the very first thing that he put up, the tree of life. Shall we? Go right back to that. This one, or which one would you like? Uh, this one. That one. Oh, stop. That's the one. Okay. That's speculation. That's a very old-fashioned view of how life came to be as diverse as it currently is. Nowadays, I don't know what, what book you got that from, but it's obviously from a children's book. Correct. It's not, it, yeah, it's not, it's probably from an old children's book too. It's not current scientific expertise. And we don't give credibility to that simplistic picture of how life diversified anymore. That went out, I don't know how recently, but it was, it's post-Darwin probably. Darwin came up with the original idea, I think, of a tree of life. But although what we can say is that we have a common ancestor, and there's very good reason for that, we can't say that it, evolution occurred down a trunk and then up a branch. <laughs> It's much more complicated than that. So I'm not sure what you're asking me now. Are you asking me why we think there's a common ancestor? Is that what you're asking me? No, let's make it we keep stay on this one point. These trees of life have been around for over 100 years. College textbooks say animals, fungi, and plants have mm -hmm. a common ancestor. I did not put the reference to this one, which book it's from. This one is Glencoe Biology, a major publisher here in our country from 30 years ago, teaching mm -hmm. that all the many forms of life have a common ancestor. Here's okay. Heath Biology. I think it's the fourth largest publisher showing humans are related to birds. So do you believe you are related to a bird? That's let's, let's stick with the idea of a common ancestor, first of all, shall okay. we? Do you believe you have a common ancestor with a bird? Yes. And do you want to know why? I can't believe you believe that, but sure, I'd be thrilled to know why. You were taught that from kindergarten on. You got brainwashed. Go ahead. <laughs> That's not respectful. Okay. Can I point out, Brett? Sure. I was, I was not brainwashed. There's evidence. If you Let's take the DNA evidence, because I think you might agree that DNA is like the instruction set in a cell, the, the, the proteins and, and therefore subsequently 
the processes are key uh, are described okay so if you take a look at that dna and we we know that it works because we use it in law to identify criminals don't we? We, we we collect their dna whether it's in the fingerprint or semen or whatever and we say there's an impossibly remote chance that this could have been left by anyone else because our dna is all distinct individual okay well if you take that dna you will find that the instructions for key enzymes and the enzymes of course are the the speeders up of our biological processes with an enzyme all the reactions go quicker and there are specific enzymes for each process and if you take a look at the piece of dna that codes for let's take a simple example an enzyme that's involved in the process of respiration internal respiration the chemical pathway that enables us to unlock the our fuel get the energy out of our fuel which at that level is sugar by reacting it with oxygen that's a complex process there's a whole series of enzymes that op that affect it that make it go faster right if you take a look at the dna that codes for those enzymes you will find they're the same in organisms that go back in time. And I don't mean fossils, I'm talking about living organisms that have varying ranges of complexity. So if, you, if you look at look at yeast, for example, or bananas, for example, they use the same piece of DNA, very similar piece of DNA, to, to form enzymes which control the processes of, in this case, respiration. So the basic process of life. So that's the reason that we think there is common ancestry. And the closer you get to a species a relationship with a, another species, the, the, the correspondence, the congruence between the DNA is a better match. So for example, we're 96% the same as chimpanzees in our DNA. Okay. One topic at a time. I understand, I understand really well what you're saying. I taught biology 15 years. Now, is, is, there any, is there any reason to only teach students the similarity in the DNA code proves a common ancestor? Would it also be... <coughs> just as logical to say the same person is writing these codes a common creator okay. DNA, the, the, the powerpoint yeah. that i use on my computer probably has thousands of lines of code that are identical to microsoft word when i type a letter so here's the two, two different programs with thousands of identical lines of code therefore nobody wrote the code that's your logical conclusion no, Mr. Richards, you went on for almost 15 minutes. Can you give the man at least 20 seconds? Come <laughs> on. You, you are correct. You are correct to say 
there are thousands of DNA similarities in different animals. That is correct. It is not correct to therefore conclude they had a common ancestor. It is much more logical to say this code is so complex, somebody had to write the code. It had to write the code. There's no, there's no common sense answer to say this code, this DNA code, could form itself. The English alphabet could not form itself by ink falling out of the sky on paper. The English alphabet contains a code, 26 letters and a bunch of symbols. And we can arrange those in different orders and produce words that carry meaning. The DNA code in any life form is way more complex than the English alphabet. Mm -hmm. And it is, it's, to me, overwhelming evidence there's a designer for the code. The fact okay. that there are similarities in the respiration process between a bird and a human, because we're both breathing. Duh. Of course, there are similarities in the code to breathe. It's not a common ancestor, like you conclude, and want to be forced on all the students. You know, you have to believe this is common ancestor. No. This could just as well be a common designer. We don't know. I couldn't prove either one. If I find DNA code on a crime scene, I'd say the chances are one in a bazillion that and nobody, somebody else did this. Mm -hmm. just, but mm -hmm. just the DNA code is to say that, look how complex this DNA code is. Therefore, nobody wrote it. This is the conclusion you are falling into. And it's just absolute insanity in my humble, humble, totally unbiased opinion. So yes, I agree there are similarities. I do not agree that proves common ancestry and you cannot go back in time. Go ahead. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Well, what you've done there is you've made an argument from complexity and, and derived the, the conclusion, which is not a conclusion, but you claim the conclusion that that means there's a designer. Um, uh, and, and again, you've swamped me by not letting, you made your point in the first sentence of what you were going, what you said back then, and I wanted to respond to it, but then you went on. And I've lost the point. I've lost, I've lost the will to live, in fact. <laughs> so, Mr. Richards. What did you say at the beginning of that little piece? You said, um, what, why do we conclude that it wasn't designed? Well, we don't. As I said earlier, creation is still in the frame. We ha the answer is we don't know. And there are three possible explanations for how life originated. One is creation. That doesn't mean it's your God. Another one is panspermia. And another one is abiogenesis. And there could be a combination of these two. But why don't we think that your God is a likely explanation? I'll answer that question. I could have answered it after your first sentence. It's because every mystery that we have so far solved has turned out not to have a creator deity agent in the sky as the explanation. Every mystery we've solved, and we've solved millions of mysteries, and none of them required that explanation. So the chances of creationism being the correct explanation is vanishingly improbable. Panspermia is not an explanation for the origins of life, says Adam Lord. Adam, if you don't mind, can you explain to Mr. Richard why panspermia is not uh, a good speculation or answer for it? Sure, yeah. I think um, Kent earlier explained this. 
Can, are you able to mute? Um, I can mute it here. He can mute it over there. Yes, we can mute. Thank you. I think I think Kent explained this earlier that, and I'm sure uh, Mr. Richards understands this that 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 would just if there was panspermia, it would just explain how life started here on Earth. But it it still asks the question. You're begging the question: Where did it originate in the first place? Yep. Am I? I'm not muted. No. Good. Okay. Yeah. Well, you're right, and I bring you back to our my original statement. We just don't know. And you're right. What panspermia does is puts it back one. It says life did begin some other way elsewhere and then came here. I accept that. But so does creation. Because, of course, creation assumes that God came, I don't know, from somewhere. All, all creationism does is put the the explanation back another step the same way that panspermia does it it may, moves the question from how did life originate to how did god originate that's yeah, a good point creation isn't being put in public schools and people are not being forced to pay for it they can go to a religious school or a church or something like that in order to learn about it as where evolution is being claimed to be knowledge of something and as you've articulated you don't know. They don't know. Okay, my turn. He mentioned there are three theories, uh, creationism, transpermia, and abiogenesis. Transpermia simply postpones the problem or puts it out of reach. Uh, and he, like creation. he the, the question is, do they, in your schools in England, or in, I don't know which, which part of the United Kingdom you're from, but do, do they in the United Kingdom over there give equal time to teaching the creation story or is it all emphasis on the uh, option number three that it had to happen by i know we don't know but yet they Good. teach it like we do know this one shows crocodiles and humans have a common ancestor which this one true. shows snakes and birds have a common ancestor which is true this is what is taught and this is my objection this isn't science this is something we believe biology teachers have a common ancestor with sponges. The kids look That's at this, they learn this, kindergarten, first grade, second grade, all through grade school and high school, and they come out believing it because they've seen lines drawn on paper between animals and plants. Mm -hmm. This is propaganda, this is not science. We don't, if you don't know, then they shouldn't have lines on these paper and say, kids, you're gonna be tested on this. Are you related to a bat? That's what they teach the kids. Yes, All forms of life had a common ancestor. This yes. is what is taught. This isn't science. Go ahead. Thank you. Well, I, I don't know whether you weren't listening earlier on because I explained why we know that there is a common ancestor to pretty much all of life. It's because of commonality between the DNA. And yes, that is, I'm in England. And yes, that is taught. I used to teach biology to pre-university level. And yes, we do teach evolution because it's a fact <laughs> and we don't we in science lessons we don't spend time teaching creationism because there's no evidence for it it's like panspermia there's no evidence for that either except that you know we found a few meteorites with some quite large organic molecules in them that doesn't mean anything but when i was teaching biology to pre-university level i used to start my classes by saying We've got another school of thought here. 
it's that God made everything. And so I, I did, and it's not disallowed in science lessons in this country. I did enter into the uh, alternative. It's not a powerful alternative because there's no evidence. Not only is there no evidence for creation, but there's no evidence for God either. But I, I recognize that this is a cultural thing. And so I explained to my class that you may have heard that it was all in according to the Bible. It was all made in seven days by, I don't know, magic. And, and then I went on to explain what we actually do know. And what we know is, is the theory of evolution has got mountains of evidence, not just from fossils. I know you creationists love to poke at the fossil record, but every field of biology is, supports the contention that evolution is an, uh, uh, the best model for explaining things. Okay, you said uh, there's no evidence for creation and we explain what we do know. We know cows produce cows. That's been observed millions of times worldwide. Okay. We know birds produce baby birds. Yep. We know humans produce baby humans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. How do you know birds and humans have a common ancestor? I, you said the DNA code, that's not an answer. Surely you see the logic in this. The similar DNA code does not prove a common ancestor. It could prove a common designer. The code is just too complex. But you jump, you just leap right over this. Well, look, birds and humans have the similar DNA code for respiration. Therefore, we have a common ancestor. That's what you taught your kids in biology class, wasn't it? Yes, yes it was. Yes, yes. Guilty as charged. <laughs> and you, you brainwashed. You didn't teach. You brainwashed. No, 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 you didn't nonsense. teach at all. You brainwashed. Go ahead. Nonsense. nonsense. Absolute nonsense. It's not just the evidence from the DNA. There's evidence from embryology, anatomy, physiology, biochemistry. No, 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 don't get galloping me now. Don't, hey, no gish galloping. That's what you guys do. <laughs> embryology. Do you really believe embryology is evidence for evolution? Is that your stand? It depends how you interpret it. Let me explain okay. to you. Let me yeah, explain to you. Thank you. Let me explain to you. There is a peculiar commonality between how embryos develop from a fertilized egg, okay? They all go through two cell, four cell, eight cell, 16 cell, 32 cell, and then they begin to look like a fetus. But initially the fetus just looks like a slug, including us. We look like a tiny little wriggly slug after about, I don't know, five days of gestation. And then at a later stage, we begin, to, maybe seven days, we begin to take on a more human form, but we're only that big. Yet at that stage, of course, our eyes are closed. Yes, that's a good, demon, a good um, example there. But that was Heichel's, Heichel's mistake. Can I finish what I was saying and then get to Heichel's mistake? Okay. There is this commonality, as you can see, all... Let's take vertebrates, because that's what you've pictured there. They all have a tail. We used to have a tail in our mother's womb. It got absorbed. We, we used to have other features that resembled other embryologies. Now, if I gave you an embryo of a pig at a certain stage of development, you wouldn't be able to distinguish it from a human embryo because 
there is this amazing commonality and the likely explanation for that is that we have a common ancestor now Heichel what Heichel did was he came up with the expression ontology recapitulates phylogeny Okay, you're going to find that for me? Oh, I've got all that. Yes, i got it long. And you, you've already brought up, you've already gish galloped past about five points, okay? The fact that there are similarities, and you, you said to yourself, oh, that's a good illustration. This is the fake illustration that Haeckel made. On top are his drawings. Underneath are actual photographs. Well, we of course. Uh, of the, the, course. But as, as, embryos, as, embryos, <laughs> as embryos develop, sure, they go through similar stages of development. That's what mm -hmm. works. Mm -hmm. It's following a code in the development. That's your claimed explanation. And you if your claimed any... explanation, this proves a common ancestor. I'm saying that the likely explanation, this is called abduction. When we're looking, you correctly said that we can't go back in time and, say, and see these things happening. But we, what we can do is apply reasoning that we that is based on what we do observe happening today, which is change happens, speciation occurs, we see it. We can apply that knowledge to chronological progressions that we can find in the past, whether they are fossil records or embryology. Now, Haeckel didn't have a camera, <laughs> poor guy. He had to do drawings. And of course, naturally, they're not very good. But his mistake was to interpret that ontology, ontogeny, which is the development from an egg, recapitulates phylogeny. And that is the only error that he made. And the reason it's an error is because phylogeny is a human fabrication. We've made it up. Nature doesn't have boxes. We, we say, you, you group of animals look similar. We're going to put you a boxer over you and call you a an order, a class, a family, whatever, some sort of level of taxonomy, okay? And that's false. Nature is really a blurred spectrum. We only do that to make it easier for us to talk about things. I agree. Thank you. All right, do you guys okay. mind if I ask a question real quick? John, do you believe that you come from a millions of year old shrew, which was according to... Um, what they call it it was a ancient rodent do you believe this the evidence is very convincing the alternative explanation that god went zap and created a shrew is not convincing okay so what is the evidence that your uh, that humanity came from a rodent the evidence is in DNA, biochemistry, embryology, anatomy, physiology, modern medicine, geographic distribution. It's John, we're talking about a creature that supposedly existed millions and millions of years ago before humanity even existed. How are you able to compare DNA? We, we, in that case, for a start, supposedly existed is a... That's a mistaken conception, because the evidence that it existed is very strong. It's not a supposed existence claim at all. And you're right, we don't have the DNA of the shrew that 
survived the uh, the asteroid um, destruction. But what we do have is evidence in other forms. We have fossilized evidence, and and we have pr present day shrews. You know, we can look at present day shrews that they weren't all extinguished, and so we can we can compare from them. All right. That's wonderful. Kent, do you want to take over for a little bit? I got to use the rest area. Okay. Um, yeah, I said I drink water for two hours. Um, I, you have incredible faith to believe that these similarities somehow demonstrate to you a common ancestor when each one of them is so unbelievably complex. I think we could look at, I'm not sure what all automobiles are manufactured in your country, but we could look at the automobiles here in America and take Chevrolet and Dodge and Ooh. Ford and say they probably go through a common uh, building process. I bet they start with the frame, and then they add the undercarriage and the body and the hood and the engine. I bet there's a, I bet there's a similar sequence of events for how the Ford is assembled and how the Dodge is assembled and how the Chevy is assembled. I bet there's thousands of similarities. I bet the computers that are reading lines of code to tell what to do next, probably the lines of code for Chevy and Ford and Chrysler are are similar, that none of that would prove a common ancestor. All of that would prove this is a system that works. You got to put the frame together first. You don't put the key in the ignition and turn it and start the car until you've got an engine in place and a starter motor. Of course, there are similarities in lots of things in living form. But And you mentioned about we had a tail, but we lost it because we didn't need it. Well, that is simply ludicrous. The tail bones we still have today are anchor points that allow reproduction. If you think the tailbone is vestigial, I will pay to have yours removed, okay? <laughs> you will quickly discover that was a major mistake. And it's, not a it's not a vestigial leftover, it's an essential, it's an essential part of okay. human anatomy, the, okay. the nine tailbones and the muscles that attach to them. So to see that the embryo growing in the mother has what appears to us to be a tail, it's just the backbone, the spine has grown first, and then everything's gonna be added to it. Just like okay. the frame of the car is put together first and then everything's added to that frame. Right. This is not evidence of a common ancestor. You've made your point. Can I come in? Sure, please do. Thank you. Right. As, a, as usual, you made your point in your first sentence and then just reinforced it by repetition. So let's take a look at the tail. First of all, we do have a stump of a tail. We have a few fused vertebrae, which is a remnant of uh, it's what's what's the word I can't remember now. It's um, uh, vestigial, a, a vestigial remnant of what used to be a tail. And occasionally, you know, humans are born with tails. I, I don't know how common that is, but usually, what happens because the mother doesn't want to see a baby that's come out of her that has a tail. Usually, what happens is the the delivery nurse or doctor gets hold of the baby, does a quick snip, and then says, "Look, you've got a boy." But that's, that's, oh, let's go to cars. You talked about Dodge, Chevy, and Ford. And of course, well, you don't know about how modern cars are made, but they're not made on a, on a frame or chassis. It's a monocoque construction. But the, the point is that uh, they had a common designer. Yes, of course they did, because they're trying to meet the same remit. They're trying to give us mobility on roads. And, and that is best met by 
a solution that includes four wheels, an engine, a box, and a steering wheel, and some other control. But that doesn't mean that this this hypothesis, this technique applies to everything in nature. In fact, if you asked, if you, if you went into your car manufacturing factory, and, and this happened in World War II, a lot of, in the, in the UK, a lot of companies that actually made cars were told to make aeroplanes. But what did they do? They started with a clean sheet of paper. They didn't say, I'm going to take this Chevy and modify it until it flies, because that would be crazy. That's what evolution does. Evolution does modify the existing. And that's an argument that we weren't designed. It doesn't support your Chevy Dodge Ford rigmarole at all. I agree. They did not modify the car to make an airplane. They did use they did use tens of thousands of identical parts, nuts, bolts, screws. They were all designed. Each screw on that airplane was designed. Each screw on the car was designed. They used a common principle of an internal combustion engine at the time till they got the jet engine. That gasoline explodes. We have to compress it, make only one part able to move. That would be the piston turning a crankshaft. Yep. Thousands of things are similar between cars and airplanes. They did not start from scratch with the airplane. No. No. They said, okay, no. we know we have gasoline that explodes. Okay. Yeah, let's use that on the airplane and on the car. Okay. So there are, and both of them, car and airplane, were designed by a smart mind. None mm -hmm. of them happened by themselves. You want to say this complex human body had no designer. Yes. The most complex thing in the universe, the human yes. body. Yes. You don't believe it had a designer. I'm baffled by this. Go ahead. Okay, thank you. Right. Well, again, you made your point in, in sentence one. <coughs> you mentioned common screws and nuts and other parts of human design. And you're right. Of course, we will redeploy useful bits when we're trying to make something new. That makes sense. What, what you need to notice is that those parts that you named are not found in nature. You can't go around and look for a screw. What humans do is we take un we take natural things and we work on them to change them into the form that we like. When you find a chunk of marble, you don't see the statue inside it. That has the chunk of marble has to be worked on to, to get the statue out. And so everything that everything that humans have made has signs that we made it. For example, even if you take two half coconuts that are used to make the sound of a horse foot, yeah, horse, yeah, you know, the sound of a horse. What what you see on that is that this natural object has been sawn in half, and, the, and there are tool marks to show you where it's been sawn in half, and that the a hole has been drilled in the in the end and the string put through so that you can use it for the purpose of making horse hoof sounds so what what we do is we we take things that are natural and then we work on them and use them to produce whatever product we're after so for example if you if you take it now you'll find it's all of things made of plastic. there's no plastic in nature we've created that and you'll find that it's got your screw in it. 
and that's a piece of threaded steel. You know, steel doesn't occur in nature. We had to we had to make that in the first place. So things that humans made show signs that they were made by humans. They include non-natural materials and tooling, evidence of tooling haven't happened, you know, and there are other signs too. Assembly, you know, you mentioned, I don't know whether you mentioned glue and rivers, but we use fastening devices. We don't find that in nature. All right, Mr. Hovind, as well as Mr. Richards, I'd like to show you something uh, shortly of an atheist scientist and what he claims. He said you're looking for some kind of signature. Here you go. You'll probably recognize this guy. Here we go. Genes are information. They are coded information. It even looks like computer information. I mean, a, a, a chromosome is, is a great long computer tape. It's linear. It runs one one dimensional digital code um it's not binary it's quaternary but apart from that it's it's just the same as as computer tape it's it's read in in sequence um it's copied and pasted from one part of the organism to another in just the same way as as a computer programmer would cop copy and paste um so biology has turned into into computer science copied and pasted from one part of the organism to another in just the same way as as a computer programmer would cop copy and paste as a computer programmer would cop copy and paste did you make that sound go very deep there was that uh... Well, I wanted to make sure that it was clearly heard, and that was Richard Dawkins, yeah, yeah. the Pope of Atheism. Now, notice, 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 he did not address the subject. He tried to divert attention away to the deep voice. Do you believe the DNA code is similar to a, to a computer tape or a computer yes. code? Yes. Do does, that mean, does that mean that it was intelligently designed? No. Yes, because it's a yeah. medium. The information is a medium of mind. Uh, there's nothing natural you can ascribe to information inside the genome. I'm sorry. Okay, hold it. Uh, John said um, that there's nothing like a screw found in nature. Is there anything like a nervous system found in nature that was repurposed for the human body? You have a nervous system that is mind-boggling mm -hmm. is there anything similar to the way a nervous system works with the electrons moving up and down and transferring signals and carrying information through your nervous system what was that what was that what was that repurposed from in nature okay well you again you made your point in the first sentence and i could have I could have addressed it there. Well, let me interrupt one time. The reason yeah. I have to make the point and then make it over and over again, because you don't get it. <laughs> Go ahead. Thank you. Well, the answer is I have a, a nervous system, and so do a lot of other sentient animals. There is no indication that my nervous system is in any way special, that it was created separately from the rest of the animal kingdom remember that's a fabricated classification then you went on to to explain to re to reveal that you don't know how nervous systems work because you talked about electrons buzzing about or or whatever you said and that that's not nothing moves 
nothing moves in nervous systems. It's called not conduction, but so don't mix it up with electrical wires. It's called propagation. It's much more like a domino rally where a message is passed along and all the components stay still, stay in place. Anyway, um, why do we why do we think? I'm not sure what your question was there. Just because it's complex, is it? Is, is that it? You're just saying because it's complex, it can't have evolved. Is that it? Can you tell us what the variables in the environment were that actually put the materials together to create this complex system? Yeah, sure, I can. It's because in the in the early world, when the first predator discovered the taste of the first prey. It became an advantage to be able to see, even if at that stage it was only to distinguish between light and dark. Because if something dark was coming over your head, this is all in the water, by the way, nothing on land yet. Something dark was coming, it was a reason to run away because it might be about to eat you. And the earliest sentient creatures had what we call light spots or eye spots, which were little complex chemicals these are not even uh, not not even um dependent upon the system of the cell you can get these complex chemicals out and they are sensitive to light but at that stage it became advantageous to have senses and therefore a nervous system to communicate that information to whatever motile, whatever mobility system you possessed, whether it was cilia, flagella, or eventually muscles. Well, there you go, Kent. All we got to do well, is have a bunch of creatures bite each other repeatedly, and we'll get our nervous system. Go ahead. Well, he, he, he clearly demonstrated what I have been saying all along. This is a religion. You don't know any of that happened. You believe it might have happened. You said... Uh, it had light spots, and the early in the early world, the first predator was able to see. This you you should write fairy tale books. No, That's a fairy that. tale. That's not I science. I don't Nobody say ever that. seen this happen. Why don't we do I, it again? Let's well, get a creature that lives a creature with no eyesight whatsoever. Let's get a tree. <laughs> you think it would be advant advantageous for a tree to be able to see a storm coming? Why don't trees grow eyes? Okay. Kent and Richard, if I grow me some bat wings, that would be very advantageous for me. <laughs> let me let me deal with the tree question, first of all, because what happens in the case of plants is they haven't evolved an ability to run away. They are rooted, they, their existence depends on some substrate. Okay. Most and, of them are. So, yes, yes. So for them, it isn't so much a uh, need for mobility to run away from their predator. They have to think, they have to come up with alternative means. And they do this by making their leaves poisonous, for example, so that they are distasteful to the potential herbivore. But trees are sensitive. They don't have eyes. They're not as sensitive as us. But they bloody know when it's fall and they let their leaves go at that time of year. Okay, we have gone for two hours. I think we get where we get in every one of these debates. Uh, nowhere, but uh, I think the people can see clearly 
that you have a religious belief and will not admit it. You believe strongly in this historical past, which you cannot see. And uh, you make up a story. Well, just imagine it, it was an advantage to be able to see. That's imagination. You and SpongeBob need to get together and uh, do a cartoon show. So I think we should quit. I, I can't go much longer either. I've got... I've been, so well, Kent, I, I appreciate you coming in. in the morning where you are, John, is it? It's uh, 326 here, yeah. Okay, yeah. Kent, you've been in here for an hour and a half before uh, John showed up. So yeah. I, I know I'm you sorry did. about oh, that, guys. It's all good, John. It's all yeah. good. Kent, you have a wonderful night. And if you need, I can send you a recording of my voice to put you to sleep. Sound <laughs> good? Okay. <laughs> all right. God bless you, Kent. John, come to Dinosaur Adventureland. We'll give you a tour and put you up. You have a wonderful time here. Come visit. If you're, if you're paying my flight, I'll come. Ooh, we'll pay for your food and utilities after you get here. That's the best we can do. All right. Thank you. <laughs> okay. All right. Have a good one, Kent. <laughs>